0: Short and Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas.
1: From NOLA Pizza in the NOLA Brewing Tap Room on Chapitula Street in New Orleans, we're Out to Lunch with Peter Rusciutti, Tulane University's
2: A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birken Road Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. When successful people talk about how they got to be in the position they're in, A good number of them credit luck or circumstances. These folks typically mention a series of fortuitous events that conspired to push them in one direction or another. Then there are other, more rare stories, uh, the ones where a person has a definite vision of what they want to accomplish and the determination to make it happen. Now some of the more notable of these laser-focused legends are the empires of Walt Disney, Henry Ford, and Sam Walton. Although they haven't reached the same kind of world domination status yet, these kinds of dream-driven business biographies are also the stories of two local entrepreneurs sitting across the lunch table from me today. Amina Deerman had a successful career in sales. Amina was the chief sales and marketing officer at jewelry design company Mignon Faget. It was a great position and she'd spent a work life building toward it. But in 2019, Amina walked away from security and success to do what she really wanted. She started a company called Perspectives, a boutique travel consultancy. Evidently, it was a good move. A year later, 2020, Amina was named by the prestigious Travel and Leisure magazine as a member of the A-list of the world's top travel advisors. Amina Dearman, welcomed out to lunch.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: When Beth Nettles had her first child, she quickly discovered that getting a ride with Uber or Lyft wasn't quite as simple as it used to be. Not because she had a baby in a diaper bag to juggle, well, well, that too, but mainly because Uber and Lyft cars didn't have a baby seat. To solve this problem, Beth did something pretty radical. She started her own rideshare company. Crew Car, spelled in the New Orleans way, K-R-E-W-E, is the only ride sharing car service that offers car seats for their customers. There are a number of other differences between Uber, Lyft, and Crew Car, too. Crew Car has fixed prices only. There's no surge prices. Uh, Crew Car pays its owners more than Uber and Lyft, and Crew Car has a membership model for its customers. But perhaps the biggest difference in a business sense is this, in their startup years, Uber and Lyft lost billions of dollars. Crew Car is already profitable. Beth Nettles, welcome down to lunch.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Amina and Beth, I thought seeing you have similar approaches to business, you'd probably enjoy meeting each other. Evidently, I was right about that, but I'm just a bit off on the timing. Apparently, you already know each other, which means we do not get our customary finder's fee. Uh, Only kidding. (laughs) So (laughs) so I want to start by asking you the same basic question about your company's business models. Amina, I'll start with you. Typically, when you have a service-based business, your client is the person who pays you. With traditional travel agency and with online travel booking websites, the traveler doesn't pay anything. The travel agent or a website's client is actually the airline, the rental car company or the hotel, who is paying them to refer travelers. Your business model for perspectives, travel, flips that traditional setup and makes the traveler the paying client. You have different price-based levels of services that travelers can engage you for from simply booking a flight to arranging a whole multi-destination vacation. On one hand, that makes a lot of sense. Your allegiance is transparently to the client. But on another hand, you're asking people to pay for something that they've always gotten for free. How do you
3: sell that? It's a very easy sell, surprisingly enough. I think one advantage, maybe the only advantage to COVID and travel advisors has been the expertise that we bring to the table and the fact that people now understand how daunting it is and how much time and effort goes into planning even a simple trip. So my goal is always to be very transparent with clients on the front end. I have a call where I explain to them how I work, the process that will go through, the time frame, and really by charging the fee on the front end. One, I'm being compensated for the time that I'm investing in doing that research and putting that plan together. But it also allows me not to have to push a client in a certain direction. I'm not going to push them to my supplier that pays me the highest commission on the back end. I'm really going to plan the trip with their best interest in mind. And I think when you explain that to people and you're very clear about what they're going to pay and what they're going to get, they see the value in that and they understand why you're charging a fee. At the end of the day, it's a professional service, just like any other professional service. And so the fact that, yes, in the past, it was very commission driven and it was a free service, it's starting to evolve. And you'll see more and more advisors who are charging an upfront fee or even a subscription style model on the front end, because as a professional service, we need to be compensated for the time and the effort that goes into planning a trip. In some cases, I started working with clients in 2020, 2019. We're going to be working together until 2022 on the same trip. So this has turned into a years-long relationship and as a business owner, I can't wait for that trip to happen to earn a living.
2: Beth, when I open my Uber app and request a ride, Uber makes some sort of computation involving distance, time, uh, the current number of available drivers, and a bunch of other variables. What appears to me looking at my phone to be a seamless and simple uh, deal here is actually so complex that for the first few years of developing and implementing this, although they were wildly popular with both riders and investors, Uber and Lyft were losing billions of dollars. Now, your ride share company, Crew Car, doesn't have the benefit of billions of dollars in venture capital to shore it up. You had to be profitable right out of the gate. To do that, you charge an annual membership fee on top of the per ride cost, and you require at least six hours advance notice to book a ride. Without offering on-demand service and with the added cost of membership, the people running Uber and Lyft might be surprised that Crew Car has been so successful. Is there some secret sauce ingredient that you provide that Uber and Lyft don't, or is it simply providing a a car seat? Is that the differentiator that's making the business work?
1: Well, I think in addition to the car seat, our secret sauce is our customer service that the drivers provide. Um, I don't just hire anybody. We're transporting families, so I want to feel comfortable putting my family in a car. Um, with Uber and Lyft, you don't really know what you're going to get. You, know, you Do you get
2: the same driver here?
1: You, you or you can, can request, request it, the same yeah. driver, and typically it is the same driver. And even our um, members who don't have kids, which we have a lot of, um, use us for that reason. It's really more like having their own private driver because they'll have the same one come pick them up. You know, they have a relationship with that driver. So that's that's a big differentiator in addition to the car seats. Um, and then you're right, we don't have, you know, we're not venture backed like Uber and Lyft, so we do need to be profitable, um, which is where the membership uh, model comes in. And
2: my sons are all grown up now, but I remember traveling with kids, and the only advantage was you got on the plane first, but after that, it was pretty rough. Yeah, it was. It's,
1: <laughs> it's logistically challenging, which is why this all started, you know? Um, so, and, the, and that's also why it's, you know, book ahead, so we require the, time, the six hour notice because it is logistically challenging people require different types of car seats and that sort of thing so the driver needs time to prepare um, and so that's, that's the difference.
2: And, and Beth, I love your model for one reason is that um, you had a problem and created a business to solve it. I just, those are the best stories. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it was,
1: it was definitely a problem. I love to travel and I wanted to hit, take my kids with me um, and it was just a lot more stressful than I imagined. <laughs>
2: so. Now, Amina, I would look back at 2000, the beginning of 2001. And the first thing I think of is that was a disaster for you guys because people weren't traveling as much. But when you mentioned COVID, I kind of began to think that people really needed some help out there to figure out I mean did you ever have where people said this is where I want to go and you felt like you had to tell them that's a that's a very COVID-heavy area, you might want to put that off, things like that?
3: Sure. I've had to have a lot of very honest conversations in the last year and a half um, because now I'm also asking more questions. So I have to ask clients what their vaccination status is. I have to ask, in some cases, what their employer's response is if they travel to a place that has high COVID rates. So there's a lot more questions that I think as an advisor now, I'm kind of getting into the weeds on. Whereas before, it wasn't necessary. And it also comes down to really just understanding the client's comfort level, what their expectation is, and managing that expectation for them. A destination might be open for tourism, but restaurants could be closed. Um, In the case in Greece, I had clients who went shortly after it reopened, there was no music or dancing. So there's certain things where it may not seem like a big deal, but if you're going to this destination for music or to dance, (laughs) it could be a deal breaker. really important to help clients understand what they're going to be walking into, but then also the process for actually getting to that destination, which has also become very time consuming. And in some cases, very expensive if you're going to multiple destinations and there's multiple tests involved, insurance in some cases. So it's 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 become very, very complex.
2: You know what I would think would happen is you might be hesitant to use a service like yours in the beginning, but once you do it and it appears to be so easy, you almost can't go back.
3: Right, it's very hard for people to go back. And I always, with new clients when we do the call, I say let's just work on a weekend trip, a quick getaway, something easy, so that they can kind of experience it before we do those truly logistically kind of challenging trips. And just being able to hand over the parts of travel that are not as much fun to someone else, and to show up and have everything handled, and you know where you need to be, and when you need to be there, you actually get to enjoy your vacation. And I think there's always one person, and that's normally who calls me, who's responsible for (laughs) everyone else. And so they love the fact that someone is doing what they normally do.
2: That's a good job to get out of. Mm -hmm. uh... (laughs) Now Beth, you went to, you probably made a bunch of changes since you first started, but you went with a membership model. why to do that?
1: Um, Well, that goes back to we have to be profitable. To exist. So um, that way, we're able to, Crew Car makes money on the membership, and we're able to pay our drivers more um, than a typical ride share. And, you know, part of that is the level of customer service that we expect, and the fact that they're, you know, loading and unloading car seats and things like that. and we went to, to be fair. And for them to, you know, our, our business doesn't exist without good drivers. And so the drivers get the majority of the fare. Um, yeah. And once and, you're a member,
2: wouldn't you be more likely to be doing it over and over again? Right.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, that's also, you know, part they, of the...
2: They must have a big car, right? I just thought of this. You can't yes. get a Toyota Camry for a family of eighters.
1: Right. It's very difficult. That's the most difficult thing is hiring drivers. Um, we do require them to have an SUV. Um, and so they have to be able to fit car seats and families and luggage and all that kind of stuff. And so that's, um, you know, to find the right people with the right type of car is difficult.
2: You're listening to Out to Lunch, I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Beth Nettles, owner of New Orleans ride-sharing company Crew Car, and Amina Diermon, owner and luxury travel advisor at Perspectives Travel. I mean, who are your clients? I kept thinking uh, I was going in one direction, but then when you said that person that's organizing uh, the trip, I think of like bachelor parties and bachelorette parties. You know, the guy that drew the the uh, the low straw actually had to. Get it. <laughs> that's an awful job. But besides those, is it? Um, it tend to I guess tend to be more on the. How about wealthy and busy? Is that would be a-
3: pretty much it's people who have the means but not the time in a lot of instances so they have the money saved or they have the discretionary income to take that trip that they've been dreaming of planning of but they are so busy busy whether it's from work or home life that they just don't have the time to actually do the planning themselves so over the last year i've worked with a ton of physicians a lot of healthcare workers um, a lot of smaller Groups typically my groups are under 10 people, so it's not necessarily the bachelor party, the bachelorette party, but it might be a friend group or a milestone birthday, and people really have are starting to lean more into traveling to celebrate because I think we were apart for so long. If there's any occasion that can be celebrated now, people want to take a trip and do that with their close friends, the people in their bubble. So it's really working with different types of people from different industries but the common theme is really people who have the means but don't have the time and want to be able to hand it over to someone who's going to manage it in a very professional way and also has insights into what's going on in those destinations. And I think, again, because of COVID, um, there's so many resources and things that you can read online, but unless you have someone who's in that destination day in and day out who can actually speak to it, it's hard to really gauge what's going on.
2: And Beth, I know when I'm not focusing on the car seat, but I mean, I always wanted to ask you this question since I've been preparing <laughs> for the show. Do people carry their own car seat, or is it a function of they're going to rent a car? Or what? So
1: um, I'll tell you how we started was when we were traveling and the, my son, my older son, had fractured his femur and we had plans to go snow skiing, which we weren't going to snow ski, but we just thought, we'll go ahead and take this trip. And um, it was so stressful. I'm not really sure why we decided made that decision. <laughs> but, he, but the most stressful part was getting from the car in the parking lot of the airport into the airport. So I I have two kids. The two-year-old was pushing the five-year-old in a wheelchair into the airport. My husband was carrying (laughs) two car seats and I had the luggage. So there's just, you know, sometimes not enough hands to get everybody where they need to be and make sure everybody gets in and everything gets in. And I thought, you know, if we could eliminate these car seats that are so heavy and bulky, um, that would save
2: a ton of stress. So let's say you are going to Disney. We're always picking on Orlando here. But um, (laughs) you're going to stay within that complex, right? So you probably don't need a car, right?
1: Right. So for (laughs) Orlando, we would open up just airport to Disney. So that way, when you fly into Orlando you use crew car. We have the car seats available. You don't have to bring them. You don't have to rent them. If you're not going to be using a car anyway, we would just get you from the airport to Disney and back. Um, So that eliminates, you know, that need of having to carry these car seats, which is my goal.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know you've made a big deal and I've read your material that you don't want, you're not a travel agent, you're a travel advisor. What's, um, what do you need to know or what to be a travel advisor? I know you have an MBA from Tulane and we have we have exams. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. how does this work?
3: So really what I know is It's my clients. I specialize more so in my clients than in a set destination. There are a lot of destinations that I've been to multiple times, the Caribbean, Western Europe, really a lot of the U.S., especially over the last uh, two years. But my goal is to be less transactional, which I think is kind of what we consider a traditional travel agent and be more really in an advisory role. So really understanding what my clients' needs are, their goals, their priorities, their Likes and dislikes, and that helps me then narrow in on the destination. So I'm fortunate that I'm part of two larger organizations in the travel world: Smart Flyer and Virtuoso.
2: So you're not really, you're not completely out there on your own.
3: I'm not. I have a great team that supports me. Um, there's about 250 other Smart Flyer advisors, and so we all collaborate. We discuss. We help each other with itinerary ideas and destination ideas. So once I really understand who the client is, then I'm able to look at past trips that I've planned, look at destinations that I've personally traveled to, and then tap into both the advisor community and then also my supplier partners who are on-site in these destinations. And through that whole system, then I'm able to narrow down what I think would be the best fit for the client. So I send clients all over the world. I don't specialize in just the Caribbean or just cruises. Really, I can send you wherever you want to go because I have these resources and this team that I work with.
2: Beth, where do you go uh, with your advertising? I assume it's social media. Are there special like we've had a nice woman on the show that had a, a mom blog. Is that the kind of thing you aim at?
1: Yeah, definitely. We've done uh, a few things with the New Orleans um, moms blog here, um, so that's a good resource as well as um, you know social media, which is something I'm learning about. Um, definitely not an expert there, but I'm trying. Um, just and have to
2: hire an eleven-year-old, right? It's really not. That hard. I know, <laughs> I know,
1: it's true. Um, but yeah, that's that's the main. You know, we haven't really done a ton of advertising. Um, there's our app will be out soon, and we will do more advertising once once that's available. Um, and but in the meantime, yeah, we do use those moms groups, which are wonderful.
2: Now, when I hear your story, I keep thinking it wouldn't be awfully difficult to expand or to go to another city. Is, have you thought of that?
1: Definitely, that's definitely in the plan. Um, hopefully soon, the app will enable us to do that. You know, it will be much more user friendly. It'll still be everything that you're used to, the customer service, it will be booked ahead of time, um, but that'll just give us the technology that we need to be able to scale and so that's that's what we're looking into now.
2: Any cities you want to share with us?
1: Well, we are hopeful that actually Orlando is in the future, and then um, Nashville will probably be our first um, expansion city. Just to
2: move Country Western singers back and forth around. Exactly. That's a very, exactly. good, that's a very good, very good goal. <laughs> the, uh, and what about your what about yourself? Uh, I mean, I uh, think. I think we talked about like who you think your clients would be. Um, where do you find them? I mean, first of all, I think you have the situation that we've had other guests with, where it's just you're sort of reinventing this this whole situation. So you have to sell them on you and sell them on the the, the right. model.
3: Right. Exactly. I find clients primarily through referrals, through Instagram, are um, probably my top two, and then just. Different advertising, them doing so. Beth and I are both in the Scout Guide. So, Instagram for me over the last year has really been a great space. I continued to talk about travel even when no one could travel and it was something that (laughs) a lot of other advisors didn't do and so just by continuing to have that conversation with people it really opened up my client base on that platform. So that for me is a great way for people to be able to kind of see who I am, see perspectives travel, understand the types of trips that I plan they can kind of self-select and decide if I'm someone that they want to reach out to. So I have a pretty high conversion rate for clients who are coming to me through social media. For referrals, it's really just doing a great job with one client and them telling their friend who tells a friend. And those tend to be a little bit easier because they're basing their knowledge on this great trip that they already heard about that I've done for a friend of theirs. Um, And so then it's just me making sure that I'm keeping up with what the expectation and what, is. what
2: is the Scout Guide? It's something for Boy Scouts, right?
3: <laughs> the Scout <laughs> Guide is a locally owned business that really highlights other independent and small businesses in the city. So it's in about 60 cities nationwide. Um, but here, Taylor Morgan, who is the editor, really goes out and finds businesses that are either contributing to the community or doing something great in the community or just an interesting product and service. And then once a year, there's a print guide that comes out, but it's also online on the blog and it highlights locally owned businesses. What a great idea. Yeah, And you both use it. very good
1: support. Yeah, it's a good support system for, that's actually how Amina and Annette, yeah.
2: Amina, I was thinking, you know, when I travel, you know, and I guess this is true for wedding planners and everything else, you plan, everything goes right. But there's some little part, and that's all they seem to focus on. Yeah. It, oh yes.
3: Yeah. So that's
2: um, that must make it tough.
3: It does. We always try to reinforce the positive. So I just <laughs> yeah. You know, when we do the recap call, we talk about all of the good things that happened, and then you just try to redirect the negative thing. I just had clients who were in Mexico during the hurricane, so that was, was a little bit harder.
2: Clearly your fault. Oh, no, it's
3: <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a challenge.
2: As bad as 2020 and most of 2021 has been, Beth, you got a little bit of a break in this when you got that DOTD contract with Lake Charles. What was that about?
1: Um, So
2: it was after the hurricane, after?
1: After the hurricane last year. um, And so transportation network companies, which is the permit that we have, are um, run by the DOTD so that's who gives you your permit. So they know of us, and they reached out to us and said, we have a lot of evacuees from Lake Charles. They have families. These kids need to get to doctor's appointments and things like that. They have no way to get there. Can you help us? And we said, sure. And so that was a great partnership with them that, you know, helped kind of keep us going during a difficult time and so that worked out really well we would they were staying in hotels here we would pick them up have the car seats ready and you know go to doctor's appointments and things like that.
2: Boy that would be so helpful to them. Yeah. I just think you're so lost.
1: Right. uh, Right.
2: Wow good idea or good Lake Charles idea or good DOTD (laughs) idea. (laughs) Right. Any of those are fine. Uh, The question I wanted to ask is um and I know this might be an unfair question in a way but um (laughs) Comma, And uh, mm-hmm. there's, <laughs> there's the idea that, let's say, let's reverse it all, and somebody is thinking about coming to New Orleans, mm-hmm. and they want to spend 10 days, and they really want to be totally immersed in all this. What would that trip look like?
3: So, it also still goes back to the particular client and what their interests are. Prior to 2020, I brought a lot of people to New Orleans. So I think domestic travel is something that's gotten a boost during COVID. But honestly, because I live in New Orleans and it's such a destination unto itself, people were already coming here. I was already selling it. I had clients that were supposed to go on a European river cruise for their honeymoon. They got canceled, so they decided to come to New Orleans. So we had them doing um, different tastings. They were at the Sazerac House. They went to 7-3 Distillery. They had a picnic in City Park. They went to the museums. They rode the streetcar. And it really just depends on what your interests are. I think the beautiful thing about New Orleans is that there is something for everyone. History, music, art, culture, food. And it still has that reputation of being a party city, not kid-friendly. So. Part of what I do when clients want to come here is just find out about what they would do in any other destination, because we can match all of that in New Orleans, but really just focusing on the things that make the city unique, making sure they're getting those kind of quintessential New Orleans experiences, but also that I'm showing them a little bit more of a local side too, and giving them insight on some things that they may not find on a blog or on a website.
2: And you know, you're, you're doing something for the city there, because when you talk to the uh, the tourism people here, they're trying to get people out of the French Quarter mm-hmm. and, and show them more. We've got a right. lot to lot to offer. Right. Thanks for doing they that.
1: Can, they can book crew car exactly. and bring
0: the kids. There exactly. it is. <laughs> I
2: see a merger or something here. Right. Sometimes you have to just go for it. You have to believe in yourself and do what you really want, no matter how crazy it might seem. If at any time you need to be reminded of the benefits that can come from following your own dreams or verbally jumping off a cliff, you don't need to look any further than Amina Dierman and Beth Nettles. Uh, Amina and Beth, your stories are inspirational, but they're also grounded in smart business practices and and a lot of hard work. I'm looking forward to keeping up with you and following your continued success. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch.
1: Thank you Thank so you much. Either. We've enjoyed it. My guests on
2: Out to Lunch today have been Amina Dearman, owner and luxury travel advisor at Perspectives Travel, and Beth Nettles, owner of Crew Car. We edited the show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Amina's travel business and Beth's ride-sharing company by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and on our website, it's NewOrleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at LaFleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Rusciutti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch
0: table for more business, New Orleans-style, on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Out to Lunch is brought to you by Basics Swimming Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. And by the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.